Alright, hello and welcome to episode 104 of Dropping the X, an unofficial Hunter Hunter podcast. I am Dame Dr. Dame Dr. Foxy Brown. <laughs> I said that so many times, I don't know how I messed that up. And I'm joined by, of course, Ed the Crimson. That's right, I'm here, we're doing this. So, obviously, judging by the last thing we recorded about, today we're going to be talking about episode 148, Past and Future, which is the final episode of Hunter Hunter. Uh, in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about, A, we're going to go through episode 148. We're going to talk about our reflections on the series as a whole. We're going to go through an email or two. We're going to shout out the uh, podcast that we guested on. And we're going to talk, a little. we're going to do a little spoiler talk for those of you that only um, watch the anime to talk about what you can look forward to at some point in the distant future when the anime returns. Yes. If we get lucky and you knock on all the wood and... And Togashi somehow finds deep within himself the strength to continue. And finish. Right. <laughs> at least this arc. Yes. Is all I'm saying. They can do a little little 13 episode run there. Make everybody happy. It'd probably be more than that because there's a lot of stuff. Um, and it does seem like you could easily do one um, one episode, a, a chapter, chapter, mm-hmm. an episode, whichever way that's supposed to go. I guess there's just so much detail packed into that stuff. Because it's going to be so crazy because you're going to be going from Gon being the main character to the narrator being the main character. Yeah, and a whole bunch of, <laughs> of info dump that is, I'm sure that episode is going to be completely boring, but it's going to have hype as hell music behind it. Yes. <laughs> so 148 um in 147 we left off with Killua and gone sort of saying their goodbyes as um Killua left with alika to go wherever i've always said disney world um because mm-hmm. that's disney what, world that's what you do when you're victorious uh but it seems as though he's taking alika to see the world you know presumably before they return Yes, Alec, I guess Alec, he says something along the lines of he's he's not going to leave Alaka, but I don't know. My assumption is Alaka around isn't good for adventuring. So no, not at all. Unless you're adventuring to the dark continent, I think Alaka goes back home and yep. just is going to be in a better situation now um, because of what Killer was done somehow. I don't know how it's going to all going to reconcile. We assume. Mm-hmm. Maybe it never gets back to that. I don't know. And Gon heads up to climb the world tree. Um, he, I'm skipping a lot of it at the beginning because I don't care. Of course. He goes up to the tree and the dude's telling him, oh, whoa, wait, let me give you the whole sales pitch before you go up there. Like, A, there's no insurance. So if you fall and die, that's on you. Um, we're giving you a button that you could push. If you're in need of help and our rescuers will come and get you. But, you know, no one's ever really made it to the top except for that guy that's up there right now. And <laughs> Gon's like, oh, when, when did he leave? He's like, mm, about 20 minutes ago, I guess, is when he showed up. And so he's like, he's still in the middle of telling him stuff. But Gon, like, walks to the edge and just disappears. And when he looks up, dude's already, like, I don't know, 200 feet up the tree. And as Gon is climbing, he comes across as, like, passed out guy. He's like, help me. And so he goes over and pushes the guy's button. Mm-hmm. And then... A guy comes in his car seat helicopter. 
I I feel like that's a pedal bike thing. Okay. It has to be. I would not be surprised if he's pedaling and that's spinning the blades. <laughs> that's that, that's how the technology in this show is, right? Yes, yes. It's like a Looney Tunes style helicopter. Mm-hmm. So, I assume Acme right. is like a huge company. Yeah. Acme made helicopter. So, mm-hmm. he continues up the tree and it's like it's ridiculous. He's going through clouds and all kinds of crap. And I love the moment when he gets to the top of the tree and there are these giant like egg-shaped birds up there making the weirdest duck noises Uh i don't even i don't know what they are or what they're supposed to be but there's like they were frightening at first yeah those were me those are enormous and they're Mm -hmm. making weird sounds like it the tree is weird because it's like like um jen refers to it as i think a sapling that stopped growing and that's that's clear when you get to the top of the tree it's just like one thin um branch going up and then perched on top of that is this nest with these four birds that are in there, like back to back to back, um, in a circle. And Gon gets up there. And the first thing I was thinking is, where's the wind? Because I thought, like, as soon as he got up there, I was flashing back to Kaiji. You know, that moment when you thought you made it, and then you open the window, and it just blasts And you then the, bl- the blast back. Yeah. <laughs> I was expecting some wind to come out of nowhere and just blow him straight off the top. But um, no, he gets up there fine. He didn't freak out when he saw the birds because that's what I would have done. I'd have freaked out, lost my grip, fell, fallen to my death. Um, an important thing to know, which is what Ed points out, um, pointed out to me earlier, that Don doesn't have any Nen ability yep. right now. So he climbed this tree all off his own strength and conditioning. And also, it's crazy because had he fallen he would have definitely not been able to recover. That would have been it, probably. <laughs> like, if he got lucky, maybe he'll fall on a branch, uh, like the guy he helped. Yep. But, yeah. And then Jin is like, yo. And that's when the, the conversation more or less starts. And it, they lead straight into the most important thing, which is, hey, Dad, you know, why'd you abandon me all those years ago? You fuck. <laughs> <laughs> And Jin's answer to it, it doesn't really answer the question. He's just like, this is what I wanted to do. And I couldn't be held back by a child that I made uh, <laughs> at that point Oops. in my life. And it's it's really hard to gauge how old he was. I still presume that he was a teenager. Um, my guess would be around 16, but he's probably older. Mm-hmm. He basically says... That there was something that he wanted at that time in life. And he left to become a hunter. Um, and my assumption is this is when he left Mito and not when he left Gone yes. um, the second time. Uh, he says that he wanted something and the only way he could get it was by joining a reputable organization that would have provided him with lots and lots of money. Because, of course, he's from a fishing village. So... There was never any real chance, as far as I could tell, that they had any wealth. Mm-hmm. I, I assume Mito built this bar, and that's where we get where she gets her money from. Because yep. I don't think Jin pays any form of child support. Dope. So, he, having done research um, on archaeological sites, because there was a particular tome he wanted to visit, that it basically was sealed off. Uh, by the family. It's, it's the tomb of a royal family, and the only way you could get in 
was if you had a certain amount of money as well as you were certified as a reputable person, I guess, which I don't understand how anyone looked at Jin and was like, yeah, this guy seems, this guy seems great. Fit. He's a good guy. Yeah. Very trustworthy. So he got, he got together a group of 10 people, both that he had met um, offline, which I'm surprised he even went outside and online in those two years straight. All he did was search these and post on, I assume these archeological forums and they were mostly enthusiasts. It didn't seem like any of them were really employed. Uh, ar- no, as, as archaeologists, you yeah. had um, students, uh, teachers, assorted other bums, and people with regular jobs that all got together. And when they heard his sales pitch, they were like, well, this is something that we really want to get in on, despite you know you looking like a scruffy bum from God knows where. And they put together as much money as as was needed to start the nonprofit. So that's I gather is for the the fees for paperwork and such. Yes. And processing. And they formed this nonprofit that Jin never says is the name of. And they got together and after he had already become a hunter and had the backing of the, the Mighty Hunter organization, he went into the royal tomb and they excavated it i assume probably got some treasures he doesn't really talk about that but what he does talk about is he found that the the biggest moment for him wasn't entering the tomb or ransacking it for its treasures or anything like that it was seeing the expressions on the other people's faces when their long journey had come to an end and he he realized that that was the high that he wanted not necessarily the discovering of things and all that but the sharing of that moment with other people that right. that had strived for the same goal. So it's really weird coming out of him. Yeah, I would not I would not have expected that's the kind of person he is. And mm-hmm. I think that's because the show the series is trying to tell us that he's this complex individual who's a horrible scumbag, but at the same time, to the people that he's loyal to is a great dear friend. It just so happens that those two groups like never coincide. Yep. So he basically tells Gon, he then launches into what's the most important part of the story. At because Gon just has given him this blank look, like sure, whatever guy. He's like, I guess you don't understand. Um, so let me tell you some more. And he says, Where are we right now? And Gon's like on the world tree and he's like wrong um when he asks on to tell him what, what he's told about he's like this is the tallest tree in the world it's bigger than any building that humans have been able to make and he's like this isn't actually a world tree a true world tree would have have its roots passed down through mountains into magma and take in magma inside of itself because that's that sounds like what trees are made out of yeah it's a monster tree and it would have <laughs> it would have continued to grow out into space and he says basically that this is a sapling that stopped growing after it was no longer able to re- receive nutrients and there are real world trees just not here like not on the map that you know and god's like what they like, think about what you learned in school which is new to me because i didn't think god went to school and they show the image of the map that we've seen probably tens of times throughout the series. And he's like, that space of land 
is just a small part of this world and then it sort of like spreads out and it shows the full map which is like this hair be dragons kind of thing with uh dinosaurs in one spot like beyond the ocean there's like this cavern cavernous piece of land that um falls off into a steep valley so it looks like a grand canyon sort of thing and then much beyond that uh is the rest of the dark continent and Jin's basically like that's where i want to go and they're looking out at the horizon and he's like i um my goal in life is to go beyond what i can see and to grasp um uh, that which is unseen i guess Yes. So he wants to be the person that discovers everything. And in in this his talking they they do show um that remember the name of the book, but the two volumes of the books on the dark continent, the west and east volume. So I think that was really cool to yeah, see. Definitely. Especially since like it doesn't actually get mentioned what it is until no, later. No, and we're not going to see anything <laughs> about that unless this thing comes back. It's like, let me throw this out there for you. So that's an important book that's going to feature later on in the story. And after this discussion, it's just Gon and Jin catching up basically on the entire 12 to 13 years of Gon's life, as well as what Jin's been up to. And Gon shows him this scar that he still has on his body, which is amazing, because that means that um, Alka didn't heal anything that wasn't there before. Um... He, he went over to East Corto. Yeah. And Jin talks a little bit about some uh, box that they found inside, it, some coffin that they found. Inside another coffin. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, who would even do that? And I assume he also told him about his spirit detective adventures. Yes, because he was doing the mm-hmm. spirit gun motion. I'm like, look at Yusuke with this scruffy-ass beard. <laughs> horribly pathetic. Mm-hmm. Like eternal five o'clock shadow. So it it more or less leaves off there. Like their discussion travels into the night, and then um, that morning, I guess there's this moment yeah. where these birds are flying off um, into the sunrise, I guess. And Gon clearly takes a video of it. Uh, he sends Mito this postcard of himself standing in front of the sun. And he talks about meeting Jin and all of that nonsense. Um, also, before they, they separate, he gives Jin back Kite's card. And Jin is like... Wait, the other way around. He gives Jin back the card that he got from Kite. And Jin is just like... Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I guess now I could get that money that I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, huh. Is He mentions that to enter the Dark Continent, you need four things. Um... One of them is authorization, um, not only from the hunter organization, but from um, the V5? Yeah, V5. Right, that's how many people there are. Mm-hmm. You need authorization, you need the money. I'm scrolling and I can't find stuff I typed. It's awesome. Um, yeah, or authorization, the means, means to actually get there, so money. The Qualification. qualification. And the contract to enter the Dark Continent. So those are the four things that he's working on. He's like, I don't have any of them. But, you know, I'm confident that at some point in the future I'll be able to get in there. So that sort of lays the groundwork for, you know, what we're going to find out as we get into the arc. 
and he sends the video out basically to all everyone in his phone. Uh, so Killua gets it as he's flying that blimp. Uh, Kurapika gets it. It was undoubtedly one of the coolest shots in this whole. Like he gets it, but he he's not even worried about it. He's like it's still he still has the notification sitting there on his phone. He's busy brooding. Yeah, uh, he's he's sitting there in that nice suit, uh, with mm-hmm. the, the eyes that he's collected um, in this little shrine that he set up to the Kuda clan. Uh, Leorio gets it on his fly ass monitor. I was like, that's, mm-hmm. that's dope. This is like, damn. He must have like talked to some people, or uh, like he must have gotten some from being in that election. Well, he's still a hunter, so he can still get a mortgage or a loan or whatever. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I guess he realized, man, I should probably get a better apartment. <laughs> uh, I don't remember who else gets it. Um, I know they show Gon with Kite and the crew. Uh, yeah. Obviously, uh, you said Killua already? Yeah. Yeah, Killua and Alaka. Well, mind you, like, Killua's breaking probably so many laws by driving <laughs> a blimp while watching videos on the internet. <laughs> So the episode itself, all the way to the end, is uh, that group shot of Kite and his friends. Um, oh, it was um, the the leftover ant people. And stuff. Right. So. And Palm. The coolest thing I got took away from the episode was the the very last line. Uh, I think it encapsulates basically the whole series and is like the most shonen thing of all yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Jin says that you should enjoy the little detours to the fullest because that's where you'll find the things more important than what you want. And in the story he was telling Gon initially, that's ba- pretty much what he was saying. Like He was so caught up at first with getting into the tomb that I think he didn't truly um, appreciate the people he had around him until that moment when he saw like their joy and their tears I entering the tomb and I think he just pretty much was like okay cool I succeeded with what I wanted but when he saw how much it meant to the other people he realized that you know it's sort of like a life is short kind of thing enjoy every moment um, not just your moments of success kind of thing and yeah, that's where the, the, animes, the animated series leaves us off for right now so from 2011 to now uh, three years of the show we sort of have the task of summarizing everything right now. Oh boy! But I think like we've we've talked a lot about the greatest moments of the show, about the things that convinced us that this was worth investing. Ultimately, all the time that we ended up investing it in to suffering through the heartbreaks of the hiatuses, all of that junk. Um, I know Ed had to do it less because of when yes. he picked up everything. Mm-hmm. But even so, there were still moments when the series managed to go on break. Yeah, I, I definitely got to get at least a taste of that. Yep. Including so. now. Including so, now, yeah. <laughs> so, in terms of the adaptation, again, the mm-hmm. only the only real thing I had any problems with was the beginning end of the series, which with the, the censorship, the lack of blood, all of that stuff, the... 
the taking the the deadly animals and plants uh, during the hunter exam and basically reducing them to like four kids level of foolishness. Yes. Um, where the landmine mushrooms were like gas seeping mushrooms. Um, I was like, man, that's not. Instead of because, like, when I was like reading it, that's how I knew shit just got real. Like, I was just. Like, they just stepped and explosions. Like, it looked like the most, like, hardcore, like, Vietnam-type shit. And there was also the... In the York New Arc, um, which is when they were still in the earlier time slot, we pointed out that moment when Shizuku... uh, When they are clearing out the hall that's holding the auction... Mm-hmm. And Shizuku hits that guy with Blinky, and like his eye, his whole face, first of all, shifts to one side, and his eye uh, goes flying out. And yes. that that was in there, but it's yeah. it's things that are understandable because they had an early morning mm-hmm. uh, time slot, and then eventually they switch to a late night slot, going towards the Ant Arc, which is like I didn't I didn't care about the censorship so much when it had to do with Great Island because I didn't really feel like there was there was much stuff that was so objectionable and so horrible. Yeah, there, Not really. There yeah. were people exploding, but there are artful ways that you can hide that. You can blow people up in black and white. Yep. All that stuff. But moving towards the hunt, the ant arc was what bothered me. Is if they're going to stay in this time slot for the ant arc, that's it's gonna not. Be... It's going to be horribly wrong. <laughs> and luckily they moved, and then we got such memorable scenes as that dude um, firing... Oh, uh, what's her name? I always forget her name. Oh, the bee girl. Yeah, girl with the bees in her head. I forget her name. <laughs> um, oh. I know her name starts with P, like Pokel does, and she just like after he shoots her, then he's eating her, and he shoots her some more. It's like all that's left is like it, I felt so sorry for her, but it was so hilarious at the same time. She was just running and then into a hailstorm of bullets. Yes. And then he walked up to her, shot her some more, then started eating her. <laughs> and there's also um, what happened to Poco because, I, I first of all, I did not remember him in the manga like at all. I remembered her because, of course, she was she was trapped in the cave with them mm-hmm. um, when they found Snake Dude. But I didn't remember that he was the one that the ants got the understanding of Nen from. And there was that scene that was so disturbing. Is he's just sitting in basically the ice bath, and his skull, his scalp is removed. Yep. And you have Pito just playing in his brain, and he's talking and telling Pito um, everything he knows about Nam, which thankfully for everyone was not a lot. Mm-hmm. Just the bare bare bones basics. Yeah, basically the the stuff that. That Jin, that Gon and Killua initially learned from Wing. That's it. And it's just moments like this that are telling you that, you know, this series has turned a corner into something that I'm not entirely sure is going to end up okay. And I, I like that at the end, while there is this idea of, not necessarily hope, but there's this mm-hmm. idea of there being more, of there being a continuation of the adventure, of there being things we can strive for. And we don't have the confirmation that Gon is unable to use Nen until later. So 
the anime sort of sort of ends on an optimistic note, but it doesn't entirely erase everything that's happened. You see that Kurapika is still in this state of depression. Like when you see him the second time in episode one forty eight, he has like these dark bags around his eyes. Yep. And he sort of as he walks past the light, he like He's like, Oh fucking light. He pulls back into the darkness. Mm-hmm. And and whether that's a metaphor for his life right now, I can't tell. But or for how hungover he is. Yeah. But it's it's easy to see that things have changed between all of the characters. We know that Gon and Killua have resolved their little spat. And that's great for them because they're kids. Yeah. You know, all it's going to take is, you know, a moment for us to talk and we can sort all of that out. But with Kurapika, he's always been more, he's always seen himself, whether he's more mature or not is up for debate, but he's always seen himself as more mature than everybody else. And he's taken on uh, so much. He's taken on the task of getting the eyes back because we know that the spiders stole the ones that were there. Yep. So judging by what he said, the assumption is that he's not gotten those or that they've sold them to other people and he got them from them. Um, because Krolo being the jerk bag that he is was like, yeah, I know we killed them and we physically stole those eyes and then we sold them to people, but let's steal them back and then sell them again. Because why not, <laughs> why not profit twice off the same horrific action? Yes. So he's managed to collect, I think around 10 of the eyes. And there's still a lot more to go. And he's not only, as I guess correctly, when this showed up in the manga, he's not only taken over um, Neon's group and is serving as the leader, but he's also the sole person responsible for gathering those eyes so he can return them to the spots that the family has been buried. Yeah. Or I guess, like, my thing would be he should burn them all because even if you bury them... Um, I so, don't know if fly, he's show up somewhere. If he's gonna try to preserve them when he buries them, because that would be bad. Because people can then just dig that up and still use them. Or yeah. if he's gonna just put them in the ground or in the coffins or like, like I said, cremate the eyes. Um, so if you bury them and someone doesn't notice, they'll decay and be useless. So I don't. I'm not sure what he's gonna do. Whether he's just gonna maintain a shrine forever to them. But when we see him later on in the manga, it's clear that this has taken an incredible toll on him and has changed his personality a lot. Yeah, it's definitely warped him. Meanwhile, Leorio is still just lazy bum student guy. Yeah, luckily he hasn't have to gone to go through all this like real shit. Yeah, he's just sort of. Studying, sleeping, hangover, um, the whole nearly being elected chairman of the Hunter organization thing, I guess, also has bothered him. So, <laughs> <laughs> so and, and going back over this arc, this was, I didn't think initially when it started that I would like it. And there's still parts that I have problems with um, in terms of the Ghana Killua relationship, Killua mm-hmm. with his parents. But everything else that was going on, I loved. I loved the um, the idea of the Hunter organization being like fraught with political tension. I loved them being um, having such separate hardline stances. 
I love the idea of there's there are just two people in the organization that are just fucking shit up for the main purpose of fucking shit up. Like yes, gone in Paris, Jin and Paris. While they have, I assume, all their goals, they are just agitating the people um, in the zodiacs just for the sake of agitating them. Just because they can. Just manipulating them to see what happens, so they could then counter plan for other stuff they want to do. Mm-hmm. We see Pariston after being introduced the way he was, after dazzling the way he was, just sort of giving up on being the leader of the Hunter organization, just willing to, just like, you know what, I'm done. I didn't really want to be the leader. I just wanted, <laughs> you know, he wanted to waste time as much as possible so that the ant eggs that he had could hatch. And so he can move towards screwing with the, the Hunter exam because that's what's going to happen almost immediately after this. Yeah. Uh, we saw we got introduced to the Zodiacs to the member Cheadle Yorkshire, who's going to lead the Hunter organization going forward. Um, we got introduced to this idea of the Dark Continent, which, like many other series, um, there are some, like the big examples, One Piece and Toriko, that set up this other world from almost the beginning of the series. And then we have something like Hunter Hunter, which sprinkled hints throughout the series. Um, my assumption would be that the the magical beasts that live um, in their world now didn't always live there. And they may have entered in a manner similar to the ants, because Jin points out in in his story, his story to Gon, as well as the narrator did when the queen first showed up, that they were beings that came from somewhere else. And now we've learned that the somewhere else they came from um, was the Dark Continent. Again, we don't know why they came, uh, we don't know what the queen was running from mm-hmm. when she came um, to regular Earth, upside down Earth. Sorry, but we also know that Kite and some of the other members of the Hunter Organization had to have some sort of experience with the Chimera Ants, whether it was a previous group of them coming here or whether it was experience that was gathered on the Dark Continent, and it may have been in the book that we see. Yeah, because they knew all about them. Right. It's just they had uh, chimera ants. There had never been a case of chimera ants eating humans. Right. Especially not humans that couldn't control men. So we sort of see that this, this groundwork has been laid. And in that way, I'm sure for those watching it and not... Um, following along in the manga Mm -hmm. when the dark continent was revealed that was a surprise especially with it being the last episode of the show i would have been incredibly disappointed it's like you set up all this cool shit and just like okay no like we're done yeah see you at some point in the distant future and the the journey that we've taken with this with these characters whether you like them hate them love them don't care either way if they live or die I think it's been sort of amazing like we talked um, also when we when we appeared on um, anime on top when we discussed Hunter Hunter we've talked about how it's it's sort of a, a deconstruction of the shonen genre how it gives us all of the characters that we expect to see it gives us all of the tropes we expect to see and then subverts them it takes uh, a villain that honestly was almost the embodiment of evil and then it turned him into a person that we were genuinely sad that he died at the even though we you know he has to die yes 
uh, sort of because not only could he not fully be turned uh, to the good side or whatever, because what he was fighting against was his very nature. And there was no way he was going to stop needing to eat things. Like, that's not going to happen. Like, he would have had to starve to death. And, like, he's already tasted the most delicious food. It's like, if you went somewhere to a restaurant, to someone's house, whatever, and they cooked for you, and when you tasted their food, like, your taste buds exploded. It took you to this place of pure ecstasy that you've never, something that you've never experienced in food before. Like, going back home to eat your cooking, or worse, cooking from someone else, it's just, you can't do that. It's just every day you know that the food that you eat is nothing compared to what's really <laughs> out there. Yeah. And for you to expect someone with that much power to just be like, well, no, I'm not going to eat humans who can use Nen because I like them. That's, mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. Like, he's going to spend four days eating animals and just be like, no, nah, there's nothing in this. There's no fulfillment. And one of the things that we all have to acknowledge, even those of us that don't particularly like to eat, is that you have to eat to stay alive. Yep. And if you're going to have to eat, you would prefer to eat stuff that you like, right? Yep. You wouldn't want to spend the rest of your days eating the food that you hate the most of of everything just so you can continue to sustain your life and that's sort of what they were expecting like if we're going to have a negotiation with Meriwam what they expected was that they would it would be for you to continue for us to spare you and you to continue to share our planet which is basically what it was you're going to have to give up on eating humans which even if they got Meriwam to do it there's no way they would get the rest of the ants to do it. No. When we see the kind of ants that are out there, um, while you do have the drones who don't have like their own motivations and will just go on what their leaders tell them, you also had the the ones with autonomy that were basically insane. Yep. That just got excited from killing stuff. And they would kill things that they're not even people that they're not even going to eat. Like, that's just what's going to happen is human race eventually is going to get culled. And what the the king, I think, knowing that, that he had no control over the vast majority of the other ants. And if they chose to set up their own colonies, like some of them attempted to, he wouldn't be able to stop them. So what he basically offered was, while I can't stop everyone from doing what they want, that I would get a group of humans that I would protect. And that way humans would continue to exist on Earth. However, should... And there's the implication that there's something set up to prevent species crossing over from the Dark Continent into Earth. Like, there's this this imagery in episode 148 of a door. When Jin is explaining that he doesn't have any of the the things necessary to cross over into the dark continent. However, if species in mass were able to spill over into upside down earth, um, the humans would not be able to deal with it. Exactly. I feel like the wipeout will be almost immediate. And the way they've reacted, I think is to just try and keep the door closed, keep as few uh, people and as few species crossing over back and forth. Um, 
rather than to uh, to give into those people like Jin who have the curiosity and who want to see what's out there and risk them letting stuff in as they go out. Yeah, cuz I mean even though there are possible great things that could be brought back that could, you know, help science and blah blah blah, but there are also probably even more than the good things, horrible things that could be brought over like uh we don't see it here in the anime, but in the manga right after this you see there's all kinds of uh animals and creatures that are essentially so powerful and insane that they're essentially plagues upon the earth. Right. And they can be brought over. The implication is that the previous entries into the Dark Continent, um, there was more than one that like Jin mm-hmm. sort of acknowledges that multiple people have gone back and forth. Um, including some of the other characters that we've seen um, so far in the anime, that they're, in their travels to the Dark Continent, things got in. And one of the implications is that the thing that they refer to that's inside Alaka may be one of them. Um, you also have this man-body-sphere-head thing as well as um, uh, what's the one I wanted to mention the the immortality disease. Oh which, yes. Which seems as though it may be communicable and communicable, and dude seems like he's basically a vampire. So, but like like a dying. Like even though he's immortal, he looks like he's dying. <laughs> so there there's all sorts of messed up stuff out there, and that's really what I'm looking forward to the most. Um, Definitely. But. While we're talking, while the manga is on all of this stuff that's in the Dark Continent, the important thing to note is that they're not gotten there yet. Yep. And, and it's still focusing on what the series has always focused on, which is humanity and what we will do to each other in the pursuit of what we want and how how messed up we all are. And there's this... I won't say lack of the idea because it's still there to a degree, but... There's less of the preachy, everyone's good deep down inside, like you just have to uh, believe in people kind of thing. There's much, much less of that in this series. And there's more of what humans are what they are. And there's capacity for extreme evil. And there's capacity for you to meet really, really good people. But the reality is that most of us are more in the middle. And so we see with Gone, uh, especially that he sort of represents that entire capacity. We see his ability to dole out extreme levels of cruelty in his fight with Pito, which even Killua, you could see, he felt that he'd gone too far. Yeah, Killua was like, like, God damn, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like, I'm no. an assassin. I've killed tons of people like from the age of five. And I think this is too much. Like, I've gotten tortured by my parents and my brother, and I think this is too far. Like, and we also see him saving people. You see, like, he could have left that guy um, that he found on the mount- on the tree until he came mm-hmm. back down. Like, there was no reason to really go over and help him. He didn't know that guy, any of the things. But he does, in that situation, sort of what, what we would like to believe that we would all do but at the same time, you look at him and be like, this is the guy um, at the, the base of the, 
camp or whatever was like don't use the footholds that other people have used because most of them have fallen to their deaths so they're completely unreliable and for me to swing over and try to help you is another opportunity for me to miss a foothold or for me to miss a handhold and end up where you are or worse but he still reaches over and pushes the guy's button and not only does that but he he waits to make sure the guy's been rescued before he continues to leave so you still see these things inside of him this potential Mm -hmm. for good but we also can't forget that that potential that he has for extreme cruelty and in other series i feel like the hero would not go that far um we've seen in the biggest example um which is one piece where i can't remember up to the point where i stopped the hero killing anybody no Um, not at all you would constantly see like people resurface whether it's in jail or whether um, they've been rescued by other people or whatnot, but you see them later in the story alive. However, in this situation, not only with Gon, where he kills Pito, um, but there have been um, various other moments throughout the series where other people have killed their enemies. And they've also killed people who weren't their enemies, people who weren't involved. You know, we've seen a lot of while it's an extreme, we've seen more of a reflection of what the world is like. Yeah. And I can't help but think, like, as an 11-year-old, as a 12-year-old, as an 8-year-old, like, how would I even process Hunter Hunter? Like, compared How would that to, even work? Yeah. Compared to everything else I would be reading in Jump, especially today, I think, when they wouldn't have had the the experience of been reading it for a few years because it's been absent for so long. Like this, this crap just shows up in jump one day and it's in the middle of the Khmer Antioch. It's just people being killed, things being killed. Like how do you go from whatever was in the book pages before that and what they were on to this and just, that probably is a reflection of why it's not as popular, but I, in, in watching the series, in reading the series, I think even when I first started, which I think I would have been um, 18 or 19 years old when... Okay, that's like, wow. Um, it's 11 years ago. When I first started watching the original TV series and then transitioned into the manga, like, what stuck me to the series um, was the Hunter exam. Was the idea that you know, death is out there and it's it's hovering just out of reach of the heroes or um, to compare it to a short I just saw from Gravity Falls, um, it's always right behind them. And when you turn around, you can't see it, but it's always following you. And you're always going into situations where the outcome possibly is death. Mm-hmm. But because you're the heroes of the series, you sort of, you're looking at people dying around you, but you're still thinking, like, I'm not going to die. It's not even a situation where they're like, well, you know, I might die. And the closest we come to that is when Gon accepts in this contract that the outcome of him using all of this additional, using all of his potential to kill Pito is that he's going to die. Like, that's the 
he accepts it in that moment, but everyone else around him refuses to accept it. Uh, and they, they're, they all, not only in their selfishness, but, you know, he's a 13-year-old kid, he probably doesn't actually want to die. But he accepts that it's a consequence of him being able to use this power. And they all fight throughout the rest of that arc to be able to save him. And to me, that's one of the, the many ways I think that the series stands out. Um, Definitely. Not only from other mangas. I think we rag on other stuff all the time. It, it's important to note that the other stuff out there, some of it is very good. Mm-hmm. And it's written alternating, le- alternating levels of well. But it's not that those, those other um, stories aren't good, that they aren't worth reading. It's just that in my experience, when I read stuff in other series, I so sort of in the moment, like it's really good. I enjoy the twists and stuff, but outside of that moment, I don't really remember what happens. But in Hunter Hunter, it's always stuck with me from chapter to chapter. Um, the decisions that the characters in the story make. Um, the direction that the plot is going, the stray threads that we may never see answered, like At all. like Gyro, like what's going on with the spiders, like will Kurapika ever fight Krolo? Will Hisoka ever fight Krolo? Will um, will he collect all? Like will Alumi ever go after Killua and Alaka again? Like what will? The, the Zoldics do about Illumi like they have to realize that he's unhinged and he's yeah. gonna he's gonna be a detriment to the family like where did Kikyo come from like there are so many questions <laughs> yeah. that may or may not get answered like some of them aren't important like it's not important I don't think to give Kikyo a backstory I think it would be awesome if she had one yes. um, there are questions that we think will be answered um, just based on what we've seen about the Dark Continent. So we think what or who is Nanika will be answered, but it doesn't have to be. Um, I'm not sure I would be okay with it not being answered, but I could see that, especially since it's the series is being done by a guy who I don't think wants to be doing this for the rest of his life. Yes. However, at the rate he's going, he will be. Mm-hmm. So there just may not be time to get to everything and maybe it'll just all be written up in a fact book at the end of the series and we'll just have to be satisfied with that but like two sentences about everything that he la- he had laid out there and forgotten about so the the future of the series i think is going to be really interesting um we we mentioned that what you've seen so far what you've gotten used to gone being the head of the story you're gonna have to forget about that for a while yeah, there's, there there will be a shift. Like, we don't know how long it's going to be, whether Gon rejoins this, this story at some point um, after, at all. At after all. this arc. <laughs> um, but for right now, he's a sideline character. So it, it's going to be interesting to see the... And Killua along with him, for now. So it's going to be interesting to see, going forward, Kurapika and Leoru take the forefront in the story. Because they, even the arc that was about Kurapika he still split story time with Kilo and Gone and what they were doing. Mm-hmm. So it, it's going to be interesting seeing him take charge of the direction of, of the series for right now. Um, it still splits um, between Kurapika and then Jin and Paristan. 
which is another interesting dynamic that I want to see more and more of. Definitely. And just to talk a bit um, about, uh, if we could, for a second, we could talk a little bit more. I guess I'll let you talk about your overall impressions of the TV series. All right. So, uh, just like you, the beginning part was questionable because it was kind of not not exactly in there as far as the the level of violence and the censorship and stuff like that. But I think it really started to shine for me mm-hmm. uh, right around Heaven's Arena. Okay. Yeah, because that, that's, like, where you get to see how Nen works, like, uh, how all those things go. Uh, get to see Gon try to go against Hisoka, which, like, still something that seems impossible yeah, and I, for him. <laughs> I feel like, to compare it to something else, um, if you remember the... I shouldn't even say if. Almost everyone remembers the the fight between Lee and Gara. Yes. And I felt like that fight in Heaven's Arena was Hunter Hunter's equivalent of that Definitely. battle. Mm. Um, with the exception, of course, that there were other fights later on in the series that looked better. Yes, definitely. Whereas I feel like the other show sort of stagnated at that point. Like, that was the high. Mm-hmm. Wait, you continue. Uh, yeah, so I really like the... And then you get into the meat of things with the chim- chim- uh not camera um, York New, right? And York New was great uh, in animation. Uh, the music was so great. I mean, the, I, I've enjoyed the music the entire time. Yeah. But I think the music, especially Sean, um, was especially great during that arc. And I mean, you, you you had you got the the uh, the spiders, All right? And getting to see the spiders in action uh, in in this new twenty twenty eleven series was just really great. Uh, I mean, all the fights were amazing. And uh, Greed Island, it wasn't. Uh, it, I think I was able to enjoy it more than when I was reading it in the manga. Yeah. But it was still kind of very... Even though it's all very important, I feel like the story could actually basically do without it. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Like, outside of... Uh, like I think the only reason it's really relevant is because of Biscuit training. Yeah, it's it's a glorified training arc. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. really fun and sort of oh yeah, definitely. different way of doing a training arc. But that's mm-hmm. basically what it is, and we see that in several episodes where they're just basically standing around, um, shooting um, emissions at stuff, yeah, punching through rocks like, and then the rocks reset at the end of the day, so they're doing it again. Um, but. I feel like it had to be done because there's the setup from the previous arcs. Um, Great Island is the thing that takes them into York New in the first place. That's true. Yeah, you're right. And it's and for them to go 
for them to go through everything they do in York New to get Greed Island and then not do it, that would be, yeah. And it's also set up from the other end, um, mm-hmm. in that because of Kurapika taking Corolla's Nen away, they realize that there's probably a Nen user who can remove Nen in Greed Island just because so many different Nen users have come together in that game and then gotten tied to it by playing it in the first place. Yes. So, at the end of the arc, there's this little conclusion that they found the guy um, with the voodoo theme who's an exorcist and they sent Hisoka to meet him and then Hisoka sends the guy to meet Krolo. So, we did get a shot in the manga of Krolo sitting in this room by himself waiting. So the implication is that he's either waiting for the Nen Exorcist or that's already happened and he's waiting for the spiders to meet with him again. Yes. So again, that's another one of those plot threads that he brought our attention back to. So there's the implication that Krolo is going to be a part of the story going forward. But at the same time, you can see with with what's happening in the manga now, with it being possible for it sort of to not happen. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I, I might have to take back what I said about Greed Island then. Uh, it's definitely a lot more integral to the whole thing than I realized at first. But still, moving past Greed Island, I mean, obviously... The star of the entire show, uh, the chimera, the chimera anarch. Yep, that was just brought to animation in such great, such a great way. And I was, I feel like I was especially excited because even though I had watched the previous uh, animated series of Hunter Hunter, it obviously did not go all the way to the chimera anarch. So getting to see that the first time with all the other Hunter Hunter fans, you know, after finally catching up and everything, that was pretty awesome. And one of the most special things about this series of Hunter Hunter that I'm really grateful for is obviously when the, the first series aired um, from 1999 up until 2004 when the last OVAs were released. It was much harder to connect with other people who watched Hunter Hunter. Um, obviously your only alternative was um, fan subs, you could only chat about stuff in forums, and I think Facebook was still exclusive at that point um, to university students. So there was less of a social media presence, and even less of it for anime, um, because if you were on MySpace or High Five or whatever at the time, you weren't exactly about to be advertising that you were an anime fan. No, no. That was just going to make it harder for people to talk to you. So mm-hmm. then we fast forward to today when we have we have Twitter and we have Facebook and we have, you know, a multitude of growing other social media sites and people have been able to discuss back and forth, not only on the archaic tool that is forums, but also day to day as they stream the shows. And I've been able to see people that I would not have expected um watching Hunter Hunter and enjoying the show. And I've seen people like putting off watching the end of the Chimera Ant arc because they don't want to be in their feelings 
Yeah. <laughs> and then just seeing uh, one person in particular, just like, I think she watched the last eight episodes of the show, like, in a row, and just concluding at the end of the the, the Chimera Ant are just like, fuck Togashi, fuck the people who made the show. Like, how dare you make me feel feelings for a dude that I hated at the beginning of the series. And that's just like... Yes. Just seeing him do that just sort of solidified what I love about writing, which is one of my favorite things and one of the reasons why I think I wish deep down that I could draw. Because then you could you could, you release stories um, on a set schedule. You release chapters, you release um, um, issues, volumes, whatever. But you get to see people react to the story that you put out there as opposed to a novel, which is you get the whole thing in one big chunk and you see people's reactions from there. But your audience's reaction to the story allows you to then tailor what you're doing next to continue to draw the same reaction out of people. And I think seeing how people reacted um, as Meruem changed uh, from the person he was at his birth to the person that he was at his death Yes. I, I think is one of um, I think the most powerful set of emotions that ever is going to be elicited from anything anime related like I've seen people react to characters die before like I've felt reactions to characters dying like Kamina for example and I think <laughs> that was just I was just angry I wasn't yeah just, yeah <laughs> I wasn't sad or anything that he died uh-huh. just, like how could you kill the main character now um and then, <laughs> then have the arrogance to continue going with the series. Like, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. But this was this was different for me. Just watching him die through like this. I had already seen his death. Like, I already was sad when it happened in in the manga. Like, I don't need to be watching it through a haze of tears. That's not what needs to be happening. Yes. <laughs> But like I'm crying and other people are crying and then people are saying they didn't cry and we know like you're just trying to be brave for Twitter uh-huh. or whatever. Like mm-hmm. and then seeing at the same time seeing people's reactions who didn't get it. Like who who were angry at the whole arc for existing. And not just because you're upset that it made you sad, but people who were who didn't get the need for to, like we've mentioned it a lot, um, where at the end of the Chimera Ants arc, you're left wondering if the hunters really were the good guys. Um, because as a hunter, and it's one of those things that you don't sort of remember, uh, because it was only talked about in the first arc or so when they had the original opening, and then once the opening changed, you didn't really see a lot of it. But part of what the hunters do, and part of what Kite did, was... The preservation of species right and right. it was important because he um in chastising gone and killua when they almost let the ant um attack them uh because they'd gotten in its way and in chastising gone um when he caused the fox bear to have to be killed because he was messing around with the cub he points out that he has this desire to not kill animals, to not interrupt the ecosystem. And while the chimera ants were a part 
of a different ecosystem. Well, they were, then, and again, we don't know where they fall on the food chain in the Dark Continent. Mm-hmm. Presumably there's something above them because the Queen arrived injured. But he didn't want to have to kill him. He was one of the few people, I think, that got there um, thinking that it would be possible to negotiate with them in some way. And then, of course, seeing what they were actually, what they were like at that moment in time yes. and knowing that any negotiation would be impossible. And then seeing the way um, that the chairman and his group showed up there, which was thinking from the beginning that they were going to exterminate the ants. Um, The V5 had insisted that they all be killed, and there was never any uh, preparation, I think, to negotiate with anybody. It was always... Because, I mean, once you get a nuclear bomb, a dirty bomb implanted in your heart, I'm pretty sure you've already decided that there's not going to be any negotiating with anything. Because if you had managed to reach a peaceful conclusion, I don't think there's a way to remove this bomb without killing you. And if you die, again, it explodes. So they decided on this all-or-nothing course long before they ever entered East Porto. And that sort of informed the way everything ended. And to see... um, Meruem change and experience what we would term as human emotion. Um, seeing him potentially fall in love with Kamugi, and just seeing them both die, and the way that it was shown in 148, I was I was mad at the music that they decided to choose, um, which was the the full opening theme, and yeah. it just it didn't feel right in that the whole set of happy images that we saw. Um, they they focused on the entry to the garage um, that went underground and then to the house that Kamugi was in uh, when he found her. And you just see their hands clasped together and then the two pieces um, that they were using. The white... It's like the final fuck you. Yep. The, the white piece um, that was Meruem's, the marshal, and then the black piece that was Kamugi's, the spy... And, like, had I been paying attention to the explanations of Gungi and I knew what each uh, character was used for, I feel like it would have been way more poignant. Yeah, probably. Had I knew that stuff. But just, like, in the middle of all, like, the way it was seen in the manga, of course, it was, I think, around the same time. But um, it wasn't smashed together in this collection of happy gone things. And so I feel like it's a little bit diminished there. Like, you don't even get a moment to sort of reflect on what happened. But it just reminds you that this, like, even though Gon is healthy, um, he's surrounded by friends, like, yeah, it's everybody that loves him, but there's still this, oh, yeah, that happened. An entire country basically died. Yeah. And the, the price, basically for Gon's life and for Killua's life and the life of everyone else that escaped East Corto was the death of all of these people. And what more or less is the death of a strength of a species? Because while there are still ants left, um, they're, they're no longer united. They're all separated and doing their own thing. Plus there's a group of them that belong, their allegiance belongs to Paristan. Yes. So the strength, I think, of the Chimera Ants is now shattered. Um, while they may still individually have 
amazing physical ability, um, the potential harm that they would have inflicted by being a united group obeying directives from one king is now gone. Definitely. Especially a king that wishes to take over the world. Yep. And I still, I wish we could have seen, like, what he would have become uh, with the influence that he had. Because we never know if after conquering um, the inside world, if he would have turned his attention then to the Dark Continent and conquering that. Because, I mean, he wanted to be the strongest alive. And the only way that he could have done that is to re-enter the Dark Continent and fuck shit up over there. Yes. Figure out who fucked up his mama. Yep. I mean, other than him, of course. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. (laughs) That's true. Oh, boy. And I think I'm also very interested in seeing uh, what Kite chooses to do from now on. Because while there's the implication that Kite retains her memories of her former life, there's also the hard edge of what seems to be a non-human life form. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to see how that goes, whether there's any resentment towards the humans or whatever, because while Kite shares um, the personality of the previous human, being that it's a twin sibling of the king, it's probably possible that Kite is more ant than Kite lets on. Yes, probably has, could possibly have ambitions that are similar to what Marrow's was. So, um, I guess before we go towards spoiler talk, let's address this email that we got from Ash. All right, I'll take this one. Um, <clears throat> I don't know how quickly I am getting this on time. Don't worry. We, uh, it works out. You're the only one. Thanks. Um, but I hope that it gets read. As of recently, the final episode of Hunter Hunter 2011 had aired. As of the time slot change and my current location, I've been staying up till 3 a.m. to watch Hunter Hunter, and I did it this time for the finale. Even though it was the biggest strain on my body since I had classes the following morning, and a trop fest shoot that lasted from evening until the morning. Wow. Um, anyways, enough of that stuff. There's not much to say about the Hunter Hunter 2011 finale since I kind of guessed that they would end the anime at this point. And fans who don't read the manga, you could argue that this is where the series could have ended if they didn't don't have any more questions about uh, the many other characters. Seeing the Journey to the New World book. And the world expanded was the biggest tease for me. Now, since I'm currently up to date with the manga. As for the series, well, it was a series that I took a gamble on watching since I knew. Since it was new to Crunchyroll. By the third episode, I was hooked and made myself a paid subscription to Crunchyroll. I had never seen the 1999 version before. But... I had heard of it since my local manga slash comic store had the box sets imported. Midway through the Hunter exam arc, I had picked up the manga while it was something to read while I recovered during my spinal surgery, and the manga pulled me in even more. I don't want to let this email drag 
on with me praising the series and telling you my life stories. So I'll say that Hunter x Hunter is an awesome series. I'm hoping it gets a more mainstream audience outside of Crunchyroll. Hopefully it will get dubbed. A better dub cast than the 1999 anime. And released on DVD slash Blu-ray. Or even broadcast on Toonami. Keep up the awesome work and thanks for taking the time to read my email. So, a couple of things that, that Ash addresses here in his email. Mm-hmm. Um, which we've heard, again, we've talked about it many times, I think, of people telling us that the series has been licensed and it's possible that they may have just meant um, for streaming on Crunchyroll. And that's what they were saying by saying someone's got it before them. And but, Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. But at this point, and Netflix is an important avenue because you have a lot more people that are moving away from having a cable subscription. Yep. Because uh, like, if you don't watch sports, there's literally no reason to have cable. Yep. And they're watching shows online, uh, whether on their computers or through various video box, video game boxes. But there's still the, the desire to see it released traditionally, which is on DVD, Blu-ray in the U.S. with a dubcast that allows for it to air on cable yeah uh there's i think there's the dream out there that it's going to be on tsunami and that people are going to see it who don't watch subbed anime and they're going to realize that it's really cool and then we're going to get that marketing push that we want and we're going to see merchandising and stuff in the u.s and while that may or may not happen uh, i would love that not only because it's an opportunity to physically own the series but because it's an opportunity to share the show with people who don't do what ash did which seems like browse Crunchyroll, look at what the top anime of the day is, and pick that stuff. Yeah. So as an opportunity for it to get to people who don't necessarily take recommendations and who will only like watch what's basically right in front of them. So seeing what's come to Toonami recently, the fact that they aired Black Lagoon, that they're currently airing Helsing Ultimate, the possibility is out there. Definitely. Um, I could see it being a series that they're fans of, but of course the step has to be made first, and it has to be licensed, and it has to be dubbed, and that could be a long process, and there's only really two companies, I think, with the capacity to dub a long-running series, and so I hope you like their voice actors, because yep. that's probably what we'll end up with. Yeah. All I can see really is, uh... Funimation or maybe Viz. Yep. That's really the way I see it going to. Um, mm-hmm. With the Bleach anime ending, with the possibility of Naruto ending, um, there's a long running series that Viz may want to take on, and Funimation is not averse to taking on series that they don't have the capacity to handle. So. Yep. Thanks, Ash, for emailing us. Um, Definitely. I think here we're not going to traditionally take the break that we would usually take when we go into spoiler territory. So I'm just letting you know that if you don't read the manga up to this point, what we're going to talk about for a few minutes, because I don't think this is going to get all the way to two hour long length, but we're going to talk about the things that are upcoming um, in the manga and the things that we were most looking forward to seeing animated from what we've seen, which is not an overabundance of chapters. So it's not going to drag on that long, but just where the ser- general idea of where the series goes from this point and why 
you definitely want um because i think it does appear on visit shonen jump app yep. why why you would want to pick that up and keep reading from this point it's important to note that the writing does not get worse okay it's it's not like this was a spot they picked because things turned to warmed over garbage right after this moment and they're just like you know let's save ourselves from everyone <laughs> hating our show that we do really well we put a lot of work into producing because the plot line is trash after this point so we're gonna just give you um a basic summary of what you can look forward to so you want to start ed all right so after this point geez what is it we have the zodiac 12 right yes we they get a a dvd or cd some type of uh Whatever their, you know, physical media yep. is in Hunter Hunter World. From the chairman. And that was left over and uh, given to Beans to give to the Zodiacs in case of his death. And in it, he's like, hey, what's up? Uh, yeah, if you're seeing this, I'm dead. So, yeah, sorry about that. Um, but... I'm just letting you guys know, now that I'm dead, there's going to be this guy that's going to show up, and he's going to look a lot like me, he's going to kind of sound like me, and he's going to be an asshole like me, and he's going to say he's my son, and he's not. Don't Don't believe believe him. him. Don't believe anything that comes out of his mouth. And definitely, uh, I forget, does he mention anything about the new world in that, or is that just later? I think he... May have mentioned it there, but he basically says that his son is his son's name is Beyond the Terror, and this was the first thing that came out of nowhere for me. Yes, I don't know why I didn't assume that Terror would have children. Like he's an old ass man. There's yeah. no, there's no Annapurna. There's no way that he would not have. Um, he had plenty of time to have kids. But Beyond the Terror immediately introduces this idea of a six major continent, um, which is basically China. Yes that has been, just like now, has been rising in influence on the world scene and is going to force the other countries to acknowledge it. And And become part of the the G5 and remaking it into the G6. V5. Oh, V5, sorry. Sorry, the real one. The real life one is G. (laughs) So, Beyond the Tarot has allied um, with this nation and they're aiming for the Dark Continent. So, and the worst part is that he made a video and he told the whole world, right? Yep, broadcast it, everybody. So now the whole world is sort of in this tizzy because, A, they didn't know that this other continent was out there and there's the idea that it's filled with potential horrors, but it's also filled with this potentially great stuff. There's things that's going to make you richer than any man ever. There are things that are going to eradicate disease. Like, there's all sorts of incentive to go to the dark continent because the potential benefits for a single person mm. are way more than the potential um, opposite of benefits um, for basically the world as a whole, our humanity um, on that scale. And so the Zodiac 10, because at this point they've lost Pariston and Jin. Yes. The first thing they talk about um, once they've seen all the videos is we need to fill the rest of our rankings. And they call on the, um, Cheeto calls the Oreo. And it's like, hey, you know, you ran for chairman. Would you mind being one of the Zodiacs? And he's like, 
okay, cool. Just, I know you have another spot open and there's a person that I think would fill it. And everyone immediately was like, well, he only knows like three people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so obviously it's going to be Kurapika and he calls Kurapika and at first Kurapika was like dodging his phone calls and he finally answers and it's like, I'm busy. And Leorio explains to him what's been going on and offers him the opportunity to, to, to join the Zodiacs. Um, and uh, Ms. Eistom eventually goes to meet him and they discuss what's going on. And Ms. Eistom basically tells him, like, we know that you're looking for the eyes. And what we're telling you is one of the people that you're looking for is going to be on board the ship. And this and is... I bet, yeah, I bet he knows other people that have the eyes. Yep. And this is the ship that's going to be headed towards the Dark Continent. And we learn in there that there are a bunch of, like, false flag operations. Like, the ship isn't really going to be going to the Dark Continent. But it's going to be going to another island where they're going to basically call the amount of people that are going to make it to the Dark Continent. Because they're going to lie and tell them it is the Dark Continent and all kinds of bullshit. Yeah. And while that's going on, there's also the 12 princes of this country are going to fight to the death uh, to decide who's going to be the king. And we basically learned that there's a they're from a fairy tale world because they have spirit monsters that are attached to them yes. that aren't men but are some other thing. And it's something that's a tradition in their whole family up to this point. And we also get introduced to this idea of the the five plagues that we alluded to earlier. Um, one being Hellbell, which is the two headed snake, which is the only one that I remember the name of. Um, I have a Bryanac is one that's the one where it's like a, a globe for a head or yeah. what is that thing it's like the living weapon or something yeah. like that yeah. that was guarding the the entrance I think to the the tomb where there's the um I think it's the one with the rice that you could eat and feed the whole world yeah okay yeah. It, so there was a Mm-hmm. It's the five great calamities. Um, mm-hmm. Brion is the name of the the sphere for head guy. There we go. The Papu is the the thing that was hiding in the tree, and you can see the tendrils coming from its mouth. Um, the other two calamities, uh, one of which uh, we mentioned, which is the Zobai disease. Yes. That grants immortality. We referred to it, I think, a couple times as the zombie disease. Yes. And also I, which is, uh, I think, judging on the fact that Alka has said that before, mm-hmm. there's the the fan theory that that's what Alka is. So in the previous entries, forays into the Dark Continent, someone caused these five calamities to be released. And a great part of the beginning of this arc is this um, risk assessment um of the journey into the Dark Continent, because they've all realized that they won't be able to stop them from doing it. Yes. So... Did we mention that Netero had, like, a second video where he's like, by the way, I want you guys to go to the Dark Continent and like, make an expedition? Totally go to the Dark Continent. I've been yeah. there before. It's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you're left with this idea that no matter what, the Zodiacs have to go to the Dark Continent. Um, also, that Beyond the Terror is going to be going, and he does this thing where he ends up in their custody. Um, 
so that they would be forced to go together with him. Yep. Because uh, he's not going to not go. Like, even if they... Um, even if they tried to stop him, he would still end up there. Yep. So... These you have these two groups of people, plus you have um, the princes that are going, and then you have generally everyone else that falls in the middle. While this is going on, you also have um, Pariston, who's sort of now the de facto leader of Beyond the Tarot's faction, uh, since he's been arrested. And Jin just shows up, joins the group, and it's like, I'm going to be the new leader. And they, they hash it out, and he takes over. And he's basically like, you're going to do everything as you have before. Uh, Pariston is going to continue to give you orders. I just want to be the person that's in charge. I'm the money guy. Yes, I have lots of money now that I've gotten <laughs> my hunter's <laughs> license back from my son. Yep. <laughs> so we have all three of these these groups colliding. Um and there's just this mass potential, I think, for us to see almost every hunter that we've seen uh, through the entire course of the series, because this is the this is this is the reason that people become hunters. Like, there's the idea of fame and fortune that's awaiting you. There's the thrill of discovering something that no one else has discovered. There's the potentiality to kill as many people as you want. So, all of the motivations that exist out there for characters in this universe. Like, they're all wrapped up in this one expedition. And while I don't think there's a need for Gon to go, because being able to use Nen is sort of one of the qualifiers, being able to go on this trip. Um, If, like we mentioned, if I is really what Nanika is, then there's the motivation for Killua at some point to join this journey. Um, Though I think he, with, with the attitude that he had when he left is probably going to want to be avoiding stuff like that. Um, There's also um, Kurupik and Leoria, we both know are going on the boat. Um, Leoria is going to be a part of the expedition force um, in terms of he's going to be using his his doctor ability. He's going to serve as an intern to Cheadle, and Cheadle is going to determine whether or not he becomes a doctor. Yeah, essentially he'll get like all kinds of on-the-job experience that he wouldn't be able to get anywhere else, and probably advance his him becoming a doctor by years and years. Yep, and Kurpik is going to serve as the, part of the security team along with Ms. Eistam, and we see that they've they've discovered that there's a traitor um, in the group of Zodiacs that works with Beyond the Tarot, yep. and towards the end of what's available we see him use his, his dowsing abilities to determine what's the truth and a lie. So that's that's an interesting addition to his abilities that we didn't know of before. Yes. They pinpoint the potential traitor, um, but they don't go ahead and identify in front of everyone who it is. Because Miss um, Eistam said something that I think was really important to consider, which was if Beyond the Tarot had come to him with his plan he would not have told him no. Yeah. Because, again, it's one of those things that all hunters want. And because they don't have all the information, the being banned from going to the Dark Continent just seems arbitrary. Yeah. Like, you don't know until the V5 told you that there are these calamities that already exist in their world because of 
um, the chairman's previous expeditions because of um, the guy who wrote the book, his expeditions because of Beyond the Tarot going. Like, there are, and these are people that went in through the, the front door, basically, and they caused these calamities. And they realized that there are other methods of entering the dark, other points of entry to the dark continent. And so while we may have sanctioned this group trip, it's possible that other people enter through other means and they may unleash things further on the earth. Yeah. Cause that's kind of like just the start, like those five plagues, there's could be endless more plagues over there. So as well as there could be literal huge creatures that enter because so many people came in, they may be yes. drawn to that entry point and the hunters may not be able to stop them. So just in terms of what to look forward to, I think this is just going to be a huge clusterfuck, and I can't wait for it. It's just so much potential for so many different characters to show up, as well as the, the new characters that we've been introduced to. Um, there's an expansion on who the remaining Zodiacs are. We learn more about Pyrestone and hit and what drives him. We also learn about these, these princes that vary in age from what looks to be men in their 30s to a baby, and the f- the fact that um, they all have their soldiers and they're going to fight to the death. Yep. Whether they want to or not. All right. We learn that the Chimera Ants are still alive. And there's the possibility that while the ship is gone, and the idea is the majority of the hunters with them, that the Chimera Ants may then be re-unleashed um, on the regular world. So... It's, it's just all sorts of things. And I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm really upset that he went on hiatus again. Yep. Because that only means it's so much longer to wait. It's already been over a month. Yeah. Um, so. I think uh, something that's really awesome about this, the the, possibi- the possibilities of this new arc for me, is that kind of uh, in the beginning of the anime, you always... Uh, you, there would always be like a little uh, starting thing, kind of like uh, in One Piece, yep. where the narrator would talk about, you know, uh, the hunter hunter consists of this world that's full of uh, riches and greed and adventure and monsters and different things to explore. And I feel like this is like completely doubling down on the adventure part, right? where we didn't exactly get so much of that beforehand especially since the previous series up until that moment when he talked to Jin on the world tree or on world tree junior is his whole mission up to that point was to find his father to talk to his father to understand why his father left in the first place and now he's accomplished that so now that that great story goal is finished sort of what was next and when we initially got, I think, that first hiatus after that chapter, yeah, it was just like, well, how do you continue from that point? Because he's achieved what he wants. That's like if Naruto became Hokage halfway through the series, or if um, Luffy became King of the Pirates halfway through uh, One Piece. Like, where would the story go from there? There's no point. You would have gotten what you wanted, and sort of now the only thing left beyond that is a point where they lose you can't be hokage forever and you're trying to become pirate king basically at the same time that the age of piracy is about to end so you would be left with 
the um, the idea that the main character is going to die. And that's, if you continue, that's yes. the end of the series. So here we get, Gon gets what he wants. Um, but at the same time, he gets told by the person that he wanted to meet that there's more out there. There are more things to achieve. There are... Um, there are more things to get. There are other ways you can benefit humanity. Like, there is more to life than just finding me. Like, now you can decide who you want to be as a hunter for yourself. And he, since he doesn't have the ability to use his net, he has lots of time to think about that, think about goals for himself. And I think that if we go back to him at some point and see the story from his perspective, like, where we have the potential to see... Uh, more growth in a lead character than I think we've seen in a long time. Yeah, because at this point it would be like so much we would be able to see so much of his life. Yep. Um, I guess the only similar things are, I guess, kind of Dragon Ball Z, but kind of Goku's kind of eternally Goku. Yeah. Um, I guess I guess that's another story where you get to see them the whole time. You get to see him from his childhood. Yeah. Basically. Because, I mean, like, One Piece, we get to see parts of Luffy's uh, childhood, but the story doesn't start in his childhood and then keep going. Right. So, yeah. And I kind of... I I don't mind the idea of time skips, but at the same time, I don't want them. I just want, like, the story to progress without him. And then when it gets back to him, just be like... Oh, and while they were doing all of that, two years passed. Just so yep. you know, that's why he looks older. And mm-hmm. I, I think I would be fine with it because you you fill in the gaps um, of other people's stories while he's growing up. Yes. And, and you can still go back and be like, and, you know, while everyone was gone, he's trying to figure out how to get his Nen back. Um, he met up with Killua again. They were still doing their adventures or whatever was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could show him dealing with what's what's happening um, on Earth because, like I mentioned, there's the potential of the Chimera ants attacking. Mm-hmm. So, him being stuck with everyone else, having to defend people. So, there's, yeah. still, there's still the potential for him to do stuff. Definitely. And honestly, the potential for him to come back even stronger because yep. now he has the experiences of... Like, unless um, Alaka took away his memories of the event. Yeah. Which I'm not sure. Um, He's technically still has the experiences of wielding such crazy and destructive power. But not only that, uh, now that he gets to start again, um, he can learn how to use Nen the natural way. Right. Like how... Because I feel like at some point in Heaven's Arena, Wing says that uh the natural way is the most potent and powerful way yeah like if you learn it naturally like without having someone just like blast your nen ports open basically like how him the uh, like how it was done for him and killua um that could even give them you know reason to make him even ba- basically make him off to snuff with the people and fighters were and explorers we're going to see in Dark Continent. Yeah, because, I mean, one thing that's mentioned um, over and over in Hunter in Hunter Hunter, and we haven't really gotten into the idea of Nen and how much we love the way it's been set up, because we've just said it so many times, but the most important thing for you to have isn't 
you know, boundless power. It's experience. It's because what you can look at in the fight between Natero and Meruem is Meruem had all the power. Yep. But Natero was not only strong, but he had hundreds of years of experience in battle. So he understood what he would have to do to bait what was basically a child into falling directly into the trap that he had set for him. Yes. And Gon now has much more battle experience than anybody in his age group, that anybody other than Killua, who and Ahsoka and Illumi, who became hunters at that same time, had. Yes. So he's already, and we've, we saw with the example of Pokal, who was basically nowhere. Um, at the point that he re- reappeared in the series, he only basically had the grasp of Nen. He'd only come up with one ability. Like they, he, He's at a level that's so far beyond um, where Hanzo and the others are, uh, despite being younger, despite... Um, basically waking up one day and deciding he was going to be a hunter and then yep. going off to do the hunter exam. So with proper experience, with proper teachers, with being able to learn at his own pace rather than being rushed into it, I think there's a lot of potential, like you said, for him to get stronger, but also for it to be a more believable arc yes. of strength. Mm-hmm. And for him ultimately, and I really, the only reason why I want to see him again is I want to see um, what he decided for himself. Because he never said what kind of hunter he wanted to be. He never had any idea about any of those things. He didn't have any ambitions other than seeing his dad, yeah. So to see him grow into his own human being and make his own decisions, again, which is one of those those key things that you talk about in teenagers, and you see it a lot in Jump, and I think that's a mistake because you don't figure out who you are and what you really want to be and sort of settle into your ideas of how you see the world until you're much older. Definitely. But it's sort of, with Jump, you always see uh, children being forced to decide who they are. At yeah. A I'm going to be point. king of the pirates. I'm going to be that. But there's plenty of kids. You know, it's it's natural for a kid to, you know, see um, firefighters putting out a fire and be like, I want to be a firefighter. And then two years later, like, I want to be a martial arts master, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, you know, go through so many things. And, you know, eventually, you know, when they're out of college, they just become like a veterinarian or something like that. You know, yeah, you, like you take on a regular job and just be yeah. like, I understand now that this is what's going to pay the bills. But mm-hmm. in, in my hobbies and whatnot, I can still do the things that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's sort of, and that's why I wish that more of these series were about adults, um, because in adults, I think the story is sort of more powerful when you see that, and it's easier to relate to, obviously for me, because I'm an adult now, but seeing yes. seeing people connect with the ideas that they had as a child and the experience that they have now and how they understand that the world works, because what we get with child protagonists is that they really have no idea of what the world around them is like, how it functions, how um, the government uh, operates, how the people around them hold their lives together. You don't have any idea of any of those things, but you just make this big decision, like, I'm going to be the ruler of everything. And then you don't set about immediately trying to understand how the world works, right? Yeah. All right, so in, in one example, it's like, 
I'm gonna be Hokage. But he doesn't go to the current Hokage and be like, How did you become Hokage? <laughs> yeah. What are the day to day decisions you have to make? Because, like, you, if you did these things, you might understand that that's not really something I want to do. But then him wanting to be Hokage is basically a birthright thing. His dad was one, his dad was the last one. So, um, with Luffy being king of the pirates, he meets a pirate and decides pirates are cool. And he wants to become king of the pirates, even though. He kind of takes on. Doesn't he really just take on Shanks's dream? Yeah. Isn't that what Shanks wanted to do, become king of the pirates? Right. He just basically, he meets him, adopts his goal, and, and goes forward without being like, without going to a library, finding out who Gold Roger was, the last person to be king of the pirates, and understanding his history, how he got to where he was. Like, they, nobody does, and those are only two examples, nobody does the real preparation work. Um, nobody sets out to understand what the world around them is, and yeah. realize their place in the world around them. Because mm-hmm. I think not only would the series be a lot darker, um, but it would be the storytelling would be a lot more responsible. I think because you're you're basically throwing at kids, you can be anybody, and while that is technically true, it doesn't work that way in execution. Um, no. You kind of got you kind of get through childhood and and being a teenager, you kind of get um, your expectations broken. Yep. And you realize that there are all of these other determining factors that push you away from what you want to be and push you into what you have to be. Yeah. And while Hunter x Hunter isn't necessarily doing that right now with Gone, you see it in the other characters around him. Because I feel like Kurupika, as a child, had way more things that he wanted to be. But because of the actions of other people... He got broken away from what he wanted to be and put in the mold of what he had to be. Definitely. So, uh, there's a lot in this series. I would definitely encourage you to read um, not only the few chapters in between the end of the manga and where we are now up at hiatus point, but to also take a moment, if you like, and go through the whole series from the beginning and see what it was that, that we all saw in it. Um... If you want to email us, our email address is hxhpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to tweet us, we'd be on twitter.com slash hxhpodcast. Or you could reply under uh, this post on droppingthex.com. Or you could also check out um, the appearance that Ed and I made on Anime on Top at aotpodcast.blogspot.com We spent some time with Wakashi as well as um, Sean from Anime 3000 talking about the whole series and some of the things that we don't mention in this episode we, we talked about in that. Yes, definitely. We definitely had like a nice little powwow yep. there about like why we love the series basically. <laughs> basically what that ended up turning into. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's a couple hours of that plus you have um, this podcast episode as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have something I'd like to plug. Go ahead. Uh, a friend of mine on Twitter, Video Dragon, he's doing a 24-hour Twitch stream of games for Extra Life. Okay. Uh, it's going to be on... Let's see here. There we go. It'll be on the 25th of October 
He'll be starting around 8 or 9. You can check that out at twitch.tv slash videodragon64. And also, since I think I'm going to release this episode in time, mm-hmm. uh, I run a podcast um, with one of the guests that we've had on several times, Doctor, um, that focuses on Gintama. It's called Just the Gintama Podcast. And this weekend, um, we're doing several hours worth of programming around the idea of having a, a virtual convention uh, for Gintama. It's called ManoCon. You're going to be able to find the direct stream um, for that event at ManoCon.com. It's going to be starting this Friday, October 10th, through this Sunday, October 12th. Um, you'll be able to find all the scheduling on GintamaPodcast.com. So I think that covers everything. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean... Uh, follow me on Twitter uh, while we're all plugging all of the things. Uh, <laughs> at Ed the Crimson on Twitter. And I am Dame Dr. Foxy B. Yeah, and maybe as soon as I get settled into work and stuff, I'll be streaming video games again. Uh, I normally stream Final Fantasy fourteen on twitch.tv slash ed underscore the underscore crimson. We have a bunch of guys come out. Uh, we have our own link shell that plays together called Shinjuku Station. And uh, we're uh, in leagues with the guys over at Gundam.net. Uh, and, and that podcast and Shinjuku Station, all their, all those things. They do so much stuff over there. Um, but yeah, uh, check it out sometime. And if you want to send us any creative ideas on what we can do with the podcast while... Um, not only anime is on hiatus, but the manga is on hiatus as well. We do have the next two or three episodes planned out, but everything beyond that is crapshoot. So, yep. if you want to send in your thoughts on the series as a whole on the manga up to this point, you can email us that. If you want um, to arrange to be on the show to talk about your particular perspective on the show, we'd also be down for that. So, yeah, hit us up. Again, the email address is hxhpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you guys next time. The climax is a circumstance. Shimete, Kimi,